Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. This is the word of the Lord. It is eternally true. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. So we're focusing on those verses 13 through 19. 
Jesus is still praying in this passage, in this portion of the passage for his apostles. His prayer was prayed, you remember, on the same night in which he washed the disciples' feet. The same night in which he celebrated the Passover meal in the upper room. In the hours that followed this prayer, Jesus would be arrested. He would be tried. He would be mocked. He would be beaten. He would be crucified. So Jesus' prayer for his beloved apostles continues in these verses 13 through 19, which we focus on this evening. As you notice, a theme we talked about before when we looked at verse 11 continues in these verses. Jesus is praying for the disciples, and particularly he's focused on their relationship to the world. Their relationship to the world. By world, Jesus means the whole of unbelieving mankind. And, and he means everyone, whether fallen angels or demons or powers or men, that is hostile toward God. So everything hostile toward God is the world. During the same evening, Jesus told the disciples, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world is all who reject Jesus, who hate Jesus, and by extension then, hate those who follow him, hate those who are his people. Jesus goes on, If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. That's John fifteen nineteen. The great characteristic of God's people is that they have been taken out of the world. They've been taken out of the world. The great characteristic of the world is that they hate both God and his people. right? So we've been taken out of the world, and the world hates. It, it is characterized. We could define the world by those that are set up against God and his people. Elsewhere, Scripture says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Paul also speaks of the, the foolishness of the world. The world has its teachers, it has its philosophers, it has its theories, it has its explanations of everything, its spirituality, it has systems, it has objects of worship, it has idols, all of which are set up to oppose God. That is the religion of the world. Hatred of God, opposition to God, rather than being drawn out of the world and loving their creator. You remember that the Apostle Paul describes what the world has, and in contrast to that, what the Christian has. He writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Those of the world have minds captivated by philosophy, tradition, elementary principles, Christians have minds, contrast to that, that are simply captivated by Jesus Christ. By the creator of all things. By God himself. So the world, they have philosophies, they have thoughts, they have traditions, they have systems, they have um, impersonal objects. But the mind of the Christian is one that's set upon a personal God, Jesus Christ. Now, of course, 
there's also this that's going on. And, and I tell you, this, you know, it's easy for us to say this, and I say it often, but I see in my own soul that I just don't get it, right? I just don't get it. There's a battle raging around us, and it's a, ra- it's a raging war between, between God's people and the world, right, and the forces of the world. There's a battle raging, and I just, I, I wake up most days dull to the fight, just dull, not ready for it, um, ignoring it to a certain extent, feeling more pressure to love the world than I feel pressure to love God himself. But there's a battle that's raging, and Jesus therefore prays this prayer because he, he's aware of the battle that's going on. Right, Renton reminded us two Sunday evenings ago about the battle that's raging around us. Um, there's a battle between the church and the world. There's a battle between the soul of the Christian and the world, the flesh and the devil. But the battle is—it's not just around you. It's—it's it's actually raging against you. It's coming right up against you, and it's a battle for your heart and for your soul and for your mind. It's a—it's. It's a battle in which many of us are casualties, right? The the world with its prestigious universities and libraries, those philosophies and its art museums and and capital buildings and, and museums, all those traditions and its entertainments and tastes, its elementary principles is fighting against you. It's fighting against you to capture you. Do we realize this? Do we have a sense that we are engaged in warfare with a world that hates us if we are Christ? Christ made it very clear that the world would hate us, right? Um, One of today's most renowned atheists, Richard Dawkins, is a good representative of this this world that I've been um, describing. He hates Christians. He hates Christianity. Um, He spent his life not being an evolutionary biologist, but he spent his life fighting against God. And he said this um, somewhat recently. He said, thank goodness I have never personally experienced what it is like to believe, really and truly and deeply believe in hell. But I think it can be plausibly argued that such a deeply held belief might cause a child more long-lasting mental trauma than the temporary embarrassment of mild physical abuse. You see what he's saying there? He's saying better to be sexually abused as a child than to be taught that there is a hell. Right? And and this is such foolishness. Beyond that, it's so heartless, right? The ravages of of physical abuse that many have have, um, experienced was hell. (laughs) Right? It, It was a sort of hell. And, and here he is saying it's better to be preyed upon by uh, a, a wicked man or a wicked woman than to be taught what Jesus said about holiness and about hell. The reality of those things. The world hates God and hates you. Right? Richard Dawkins hates you for believing in Jesus. And he will pour out as much venom against you to make you feel like what you're believing is stupid. That's his goal in life. That's his goal in life in writing a book. What was the title of his book? God is not great or no, that was 
Yeah, God delusion, God is not great, was by um, Hitchens. These, these atheists who can't help but not just um, talk of the glories of a material world, but they have to actually oppose God. They can't help but, but hate the God they try to say is not there. And so the world hates God, hates you. It's pouring its energy into seducing you with its philosophies and traditions and temptations. That warfare rages until Jesus Christ subdues all the nations, right? And his kingdom is consummated, and there will no longer be any more warfare, right? There's only peace. There's only, uh, there's no, not even pain. There's, there's nothing but peace and the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, right? But, but, but now, even now, even now when this battle is raging, we, we, we fight with spiritual weapons and the, and the battle is a winning battle, right? Because um, he who is in us is stronger than he who is in the world. And so are you, brothers and sisters, aware aware that there is a battle raging around you for your soul? Are you aware of it? Children, are you aware of it? The fact that when your parents warn you about certain things and you don't understand why they're warning you, that it's likely that they've, they've been burned by certain things and they've been seduced by certain things and that has grieved the Lord, and they don't want you to go the same way. And so, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't want to be, it, it's hard. The, the other thing that I would say about this, this prayer of Jesus is very intense. And it's hard for us to relate to a world that hates us in our culture. It's getting easier. But I was recently um, thinking of the um, situation that's going on in China, right? Think of this prayer of Jesus prayed for that church, early reign covenant church, where the pastor was just um, incarcerated. A hundred people of the congregation have disappeared. They're probably in a a prison camp somewhere. Um, And before it happened, the, the pastor had an inkling that this was coming up. And so he he wrote a um, declaration. And I want to share a little bit of that with you because I can imagine how encouraged those brothers and sisters in the Lord are by this prayer of Jesus, thinking that this this is for us, this is for now. So here's here's what um, Pastor um, Yi wrote. On the basis of the teachings of the Bible and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China. God, for God deposes kings and raises up kings. This is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements of God in China. As a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based on the Bible about what righteous order and good government is. At the same time, I am filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime, at the wickedness of their depriving people of the freedoms of religion and conscience. But but changing social and political institutions is not the mission I have been called to. 
And it is not the goal for which God has given his people the gospel. For all hideous realities, unrighteous politics, and arbitrary laws manifest the cross of Jesus Christ, the only means by which every Chinese person must be saved. They also manifest the fact that true hope and a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ and in the hope of eternal life. As a pastor, my firm belief in the gospel... My teaching and my rebuking of all evil proceeds from Christ's command in the gospel and from the unfathomable love of that glorious king. Every man's life is extremely short, and God fervently commands the church to lead and call any man to repentance who is willing to repent. Christ is eager and willing to forgive all who turn from their sins. This is the goal of all the efforts of the church in China, to testify to the world about our Christ, to testify to the middle kingdom about the kingdom of heaven, to testify to earthly momentary lives about heavenly eternal life. This is also the pastoral calling that I have received. For this reason, I accept and respect the fact that this communist regime has been allowed by God to rule temporarily. As the Lord's servant John Calvin said, wicked rulers are the judgment of God on a wicked people, the goal being to urge God's people to repent and turn again toward him. For this reason, I am joyfully willing to submit myself to their enforcement of the law as those submitting to the discipline and training of the Lord. At the same time, I believe that this communist regime's persecution against the church is a greatly wicked, unlawful action. As a pastor of a Christian church, I must denounce this wickedness openly and severely, The call that I have received requires me to use nonviolent methods to disobey those human laws that disobey the Bible and God. My Savior Christ also requires me to joyfully bear all costs for disobeying wicked laws. Skipping down a bit to the end, he says this, um, If this regime is one day overthrown by God, it will be for no other reason than God's righteous punishment and revenge for this evil. For on earth there has only ever been a thousand-year church. There has never been a thousand-year government. There is only eternal faith. There is no eternal power. Those who lock me up will one day be locked up by angels. Those who interrogate me will finally be questioned and judged by Christ. When I think of this, the Lord fills me with a natural compassion and grief toward those who are attempting to and actively imprisoning me. Pray that the Lord would use me that he would grant me patience and wisdom, that I might take the gospel to them. Separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can, take my cha- take, can make me change my life. And no one can raise me from the dead. And so, respectable officers, stop committing evil. This is not for my benefit, but rather for yours and your children's. I plead earnestly with you to stay your hands, for why should you be willing to pay the price of eternal damnation in hell for the sake of a lowly sinner such as I? Jesus is the Christ, Son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my King and the King of the whole earth yesterday, today, and forever. I am his servant, and I am imprisoned because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God, and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. The Lord's servant.
Pastor Yi. So you think about Jesus saying, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And you think about how how he speaks of joy in the midst of this trial. Right? I mean, my examples of, of the world attacking us were, were all things that we give ourselves to. Right? The world attacking us is our phones. Right? I, and it's a terrible influence. It's a worldly influence, right? We just suck in the world through, through the uh, parables that our phones and televisions give to us. But, but that's self-inflicted, right? We choose that. Here, these, these brothers and sisters can no longer come together to worship because they've been arrested and taken away because they've professed faith in Jesus Christ. The world, they know now truly that the world hates them, right? May, may never be heard of from again. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Um, but maybe they won't, and it wouldn't be the first time that the Chinese government has done this sort of wickedness, right? The Chinese government, to me and to many, seems like an unstoppably huge thing right now, but it's a drop in the bucket. The nations are just a drop in a bucket to the Lord, right? Such as the United States is, so is China, they drop in the bucket. Kingdoms rise up and fall. And yet, the Lord's people go on and have joy. The Lord's people go on and have joy. Why? Because Jesus prayed this prayer, and God doesn't lie. Right? If Jesus prayed this prayer, this prayer will be answered. It is, it is a prayer between the second person of the Trinity and the first person of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. Right in the power of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus lived by. And so it is impossible for this prayer to fail. And so um, <clears throat> you know, I just it, it's so hard for me to relate to, to what's going on there. Our perse- persecution consists of unfriendly posts and comments on our Facebook posts. They've been arrested, imprisoned, and faced death. What, what good that will do for the church in China, right? What good that will do for the testimony of Christ in that area? Just if, if Pastor Yi, if this, these are the last words of Pastor Yi, then he's done far more than, than many of us, all of us, together have done in our lives, right? He faithfully testified to Christ in the midst of the real threat of death. And notice there that he prayed, pray that God would keep me faithful, right? He's humble. He knows that persecution is awful. He's not naive about it. And so we do need to pray that God keeps him faithful. What sort of torture will he be put through so that he might renounce his Savior, we have no idea. But again, 
Jesus put them into this world. Put them into this world so that they might testify and be kept from the evil one. Um, God doesn't take us out of the world. So let that, let that be an example to us. Let it be an example to us that, that we're reminded of when, when we finally do pay, face persecution, face struggles, face, face difficulties. But again, to, to return to how the world attacks us. Right, and and we are supposed to not be of the world, right? Jesus' prayer is that we not be of the world, right? And and yet, what contrast is there between us and a worldling? And a worldling is just somebody who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't care to worship God and just lives according to the natural flow of events, right? What difference does it make? Well, we're here worshiping Jesus tonight, and those worldlings are not. We're here uh, storming the, the gates of heaven, trying to take the kingdom of heaven by force, right? And the worldlings are not, and so we have that. But just think about how um, are, we, are we doing, are we responding, are we doing what we need to do to wean ourselves from the world? Right? How is Jesus' prayer being answered for us? How is it being answered for you? You know, we are not of the world, and yet we're not taken out of the world, but we're to be kept from the evil one. Are we fighting against that? Are we opening ourselves up to the evil one while Jesus is praying that we may not be taken by the evil one? I just think of the, the constant constant messages we're receiving. I just don't think this is something we give enough attention to. I don't, personally. We're constantly receiving messages from pagan authorities. And we just laugh, laugh about it. We don't see it as an attack against our soul and something that could sabotage us. Something that could make shipwreck of our faith. Right? We open ourselves up to to, um, to every message that's being uh, sent out by universities and by news sources and think that it's um, innocuous, think that it's nothing. But we give ourselves over to those things, accepting them through our televisions and through our phones, and it's self-inflicted. Um. Is our godless culture is our godless culture as wicked as the Chinese government, but in a different way? Is it? Is is the message of Hollywood as wicked as the Chinese government's message of atheism and wealth redistribution? It's the same thing, right? It's the message of the evil one. Right? Hollywood is giving us the same message as the Chinese government is giving to their own people. Right? And, and we, <clears throat> we open ourselves up to it. Um, you know, we, think about the Corinthian church who boasted in the fact that they had a man who committed incest in their midst. Are we not boasting about all kinds of things when we nonchalantly give ourselves over to ingesting all the messages of the world? 
right? I like to end my days by watching British murder mysteries. And it's like I've seen 100 murders in the past 100 days. What good is that? I mean, it's, it's, it, it just opens me up to being numb about death, right? And I think it's innocuous. I think I can handle it. I can take it in. I can put it in context. But the fact of the matter is, is it makes me numb to death. And so the past two days, I haven't watched, but I've read instead, right? Two days. I'm, I'm doing well. Two days I've resisted that, but I read an article on the Trinity, and I read an article on San Francisco, and tried to fill my mind with things that would be helpful in the ministry, rather than, rather than British people trying to figure out who'd done it, right? And so, I think, I think we all need to stop and think about how we are opening ourselves up to the world and fighting against this prayer of Jesus in the this the sweet prayer of Jesus at the end of his life. But Paul said to the the Corinthian church that boasted in the fact that they had a that a man who committed incense in their midst, he said, "Your boasting is not good. Do not do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? A little leaven. A little leaven." We have a love affair with money. We have a love affair with vanity. It's fueled by social media. The devil laughs and sings and dances about us, making us think that these things are lifeless media with no dangers. I'm convinced that at these things in particular, with constant violence, constant preaching, constant worldview curriculum, and its beautifully produced sensuality is seductive to us. Right? It's the greatest attack upon by the world upon the church, at least in our country, is the media that we so nonchalantly go about imbibing. And so you and I have altars in our homes, we have altars in our pockets, and we've spent hours soaking, making sacrifices on those altars, right? And we are Christians, we should know better. We should know better. How many of you spent, this is a stupid question because I know the answers. How many of you spent more time searching the scriptures than you did? I'm not going to say it. It's so embarrassing even to say it, right? Scrolling on the phone, right? You're just being seduced by the world. You're being seduced by the world and it will make shipwreck of your soul. Repent. We all need to repent. We need to repent and turn and change. Um, That's preaching. You're accepting preaching from a source that hates God. You're accepting preaching from a source that hates God, and and it's powerful. It's much more, uh, it's produced much better than, than me standing up here preaching at you, right? It's much more delightful to the eyes and to the ears. But it's captivating. So the battle is raging around us. We've neglected prayer. We've neglected scripture reading. We've neglected even worship, right? How many people are not here this evening that should be here this evening worshiping Jesus Christ? But they're, they're not. They're, they're, 
they're doing something that they consider to be an alternative to what the session has called Trinity to do. How many of us soak in hour-long sermons from HBO and PBS, which have no agendas, of course? Um, It's all parables. It's all parables meant to seduce you, meant to um, portray the devil's message. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And we think, how boring, right? How could my mind possibly be occupied with the glory of Jesus Christ for longer than 15 minutes? The glory of the one who threw the nebula into space, right? The glory of the one who created all things visible and visible. The glory of the one who died on the cross and atoned for our sins to a God who is filled with wrath against every single little sin. How can we not be constantly dwelling on these things? And so, this is, this is my challenge from this prayer of Jesus. Jesus said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Right? That's what stood out to me. I was like, is Jesus even praying for this? Praying for me in this? Do Am I not of the world? And, and you know, Jesus has not taken me out of the world. And, and I think that I wish he had, right? And so think about this. I, I don't want to preach sermons that don't have to be responded to um, with faith, without faith, right? This takes. This will take faith. This will take faith. It'll take the same faith that Pastor Yi has to have now, and not, not abandoning Jesus when he's persecuted. For you to give up the parables of the world will take the same faith that he must exercise. It's the faith that all Christians have to have as they live in the world but are not of the world, right? And so I don't want to preach sermons that don't make you examine yourself and challenge you to love Jesus with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. I'm challenging myself even as I did it. I confess my sins publicly to you, okay? So now you know how to pray for me, and now you know that I'm in a battle, right? And you are too, right? So... Um, So let's battle in the hope of having this prayer of Jesus fulfilled in us, right? Jesus wants us to be joyful, and Jesus knows how to be joyful because Jesus made joy, right? Jesus made joy, and he can give you satisfaction away from the things of the world when you set your mind on what is true and lovely and right. Right? And we may find that our thoughts are, are, um, are the, the most joyful thoughts we've ever had, the most satisfying thoughts we've ever had. I'm, I guarantee you that will be the case as we wean ourselves from all these other parables and set our minds on the parables of Jesus Christ and the parables of Scripture. Jesus prayed that 
they may have my joy made full in themselves. And so, um, <clears throat> and, and we know that the joy of the Lord is, is our strength, but, um, but is the joy that you have, the things that you look forward, the same joy that the worldling has? Prosperity, increase in wealth, right? The entertainments of the world, the latest Avengers movie. Or do you have a deep-seated joy that's spiritual and goes beyond the material, right? That goes beyond the material to be satisfied in knowing Christ and knowing that your sins are forgiven. Is that your joy? Is it your joy just to mull over the, the attributes of God? To think about eternity, that he's eternal. To think about his justice, to think about how, how all of his enemies at the end of the ages will be dealt with and justice will reign. right? Do you just set your mind on that and, and, and think about that? Or do you need to be distracted with the scrolling up and down on your phone? right? Scroll up and down on scripture on your phone. Do that, yes. But um, watch, watch what parables you're beginning to believe and live. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would, we would not be of the world. Father, that our joys would be a different kind of joy. Yes, many, many similarities, Father, but a joy that is seated in our love for you and our love of knowing you. Father, I pray that, that we would be fools for Christ, that we would stand out for our, our willingness to uh, and our desire to worship Jesus. Our desire is to meditate on his law day and night. Our desire is simply to, to study and to know more of our, our Father who, who we will worship eternally in heaven. Father, I pray that we would yearn to know more of you and that we would silence the the. the the wickedness and the false parables that, that militate against your truth. Give us the strength to do this, Father, for your glory and for our joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.